Hello and welcome to Thriving in Intersectionality, a podcast created to help you learn from professionals in the workplace who have multiple intersectional identities, from ethnic minorities, veterans transitioning into the workforce, individuals with disabilities, parents, and so many more. My name is Lola Adeyemo. I am the CEO of EQI Mindset and the founder of the nonprofit Immigrants Incorporate Inc. I work with organizations to build inclusive workplaces. This podcast was built to amplify the voices of leaders and immigrants in the corporate workplace and to give insights and guidance so people can move past their barriers and advance in their professional careers. Through interviews and solo episodes, I'm going to examine this global world of work. I know that you can learn a thing or two from my guests who have a range of experiences and stories to share. Join me as we meet new people who are successfully navigating the corporate space. Hello and welcome to the Thriving in Intersectionality podcast. I had a great conversation with my guest today, and I'm looking forward to sharing with you. My guest today is Kit Donnell. He is the Vice President of Salesforce Business Value Services. Kit is a senior executive with experience building businesses and transforming organizations into higher profit ventures. With an entrepreneurial spirit and mindset, Kit has delivered an implemented technology-enabled strategy across multiple industries, including manufacturing, healthcare, consumer electronics, and professional services. His track record includes over 220 million in revenue growth. Kit leads business value service teams for Salesforce U.S. manufacturing and small to mid-sized businesses that provide strategic consulting to customers who are considering investing in Salesforce solutions. Prior to Salesforce, Kit served as a management consultant to a healthcare SaaS startup, delivering product design, development, and project leadership expertise. Previously, Kit led the transformation of several corporate activities into a technology-enabled service model for Siemens North America, a $26 billion company. Earlier in his career, Kid held senior leadership, business development, and engineering roles at I2 Technologies, GE, and Every Denison, including an overseas assignment as general manager of Every Office Products, UK and Ireland. He also served as COO for Zero Chaos, a private equity-backed business process outsourcing provider of payrolling and staffing services. Kit earned an MBA in finance and marketing from the Kellogg Graduate School of Management at Northwestern University, and he holds a BS of electrical engineering from the University of Michigan. Kit and his wife, Tracy, reside in Orange County, California, and their two children, Kayleen, age 20, and Samuel, age 18, attend college in Boston and San Diego, respectively. I'm excited to share the wealth of experience and insights that Kit brings to this conversation with the audience. Thank you for joining. Please download and uh, subscribe and share. 
Hi there, ambitious immigrant professionals. This is Lola, your host on the Thriving in Intersectionality podcast. Are you ready to supercharge your career? There are so many layers to doing just that, and that's what we're here for. Join our membership platform today for game-changing career coaching, expert resources and guidance, and get responses in real time to some of the issues and questions that you're going through in the workplace right now. We're not just breaking barriers, we're building bridges to advancement and career success. Visit immigrantsincorporate.org slash membership to sign up today and let's take your career to new heights. Join the membership platform today. Visit immigrantsincorporate.org slash membership. Hello everyone, Lola DMO back here. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Thriving in Intersectionality podcast. And I'm going to dive right in and let our guest today, Keith, introduce himself. Hi, Keith. Hi, Lola. Nice to be with you. Nice to be here. Uh, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, it's a Friday, so that's always a good thing. Yes. And um, Keith and I were just talking about being together in Southern California, so... It it kind of feels like summer again out here, but we never know how long it will last. So we're enjoying it for this weekend, hopefully. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. So thanks for being here. Um, I wanted to start off by having you introduce yourself uh, in terms of where you are, what you currently do, and then we'll do a walk back of your career path so far. Okay, certainly. My name is Keith Donnell. I work for Salesforce and have been there for approximately seven years. So my current role is I lead an organization across the U.S. that works with our customers to help them articulate and define the value that our technology will have for their companies. Um, So I I lead a team of, you might call us strategy consultants. Uh, We work next to salespeople. We do financial analysis. We provide business case insights for our customers and really help to link our technology to how their business will operate with new capabilities based on what our solutions provide. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And so let's go a little bit again. This podcast is called Thriving in Intersectionality, which is a mouthful of a word. But so I love to ask my guests to kind of, you know, if you could define yourself or describe yourself. This is an audio podcast again. So if you could describe yourselves in terms of what are some of the intersections of your identity that you would say really stands out for you and that maybe my audience can relate to? Yes, definitely. So I'm a black man, obviously, an executive in corporate America, a people leader. I'm a father. I'm a brother. Um, I'm a son, uh, although I most recently uh, lost my parents more sort of old age than anything else, uh, but still think of them constantly. Um, I'm a, I'm a friend. Um, I'm an advocate for folks. Um, DEI of course is very high up on my list for advocating for folks that, that look like me. Um, and I'd say I'm a learner too. So I believe that both, uh, from a career perspective and from a life perspective, um, there's a continuous journey and there's always something to learn. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I love, I love asking people that question and letting people just answer it when I give presentations, because again, it's one thing to assign identity descriptors to people, 
it's a different thing to listen when people describe, you know, the things that are top of mind for them when they think of themselves. So um, I love the words that you use. Thank you. And it speaks to why you're here. <laughs> and I know <laughs> so much to learn from you. So um, let's talk about your career path. So how did you get here? Yes, uh, I will say it was definitely a journey, as I think all career paths are. Uh, I started my career on the technical side as an engineer. So I was born and raised in the Midwest in Detroit, Michigan, went to the University of Michigan and earned an electrical engineering degree and started my career really in software development. But at that time, software development was not what it is now. Now it's a lot more advanced. I started when software development was a lot simpler. Um, and with that, um, actually did some other more technical roles um, under the engineering umbrella and realized that I wanted to learn the business side of running a company. So I decided to go to business school, got an MBA uh, from Northwestern University. And since then, I've had a number of roles, um, primarily in the manufacturing industry, also have done some consulting. And then the third leg of my career school has been working in tech. So currently at Salesforce, I also worked for a technology provider earlier in my career as well. So, um, you know, I would tell you that looking at my career journey, um, it's good to have a plan and just know that that plan will change. So <laughs> the reason it's good to have a plan is because it's good to set a target, right? And so that gives a person something to work for and starts to inform the things they do you know, month over month, year over year. But as people learn more information, the target might change and that's totally to be expected and actually a good thing, right? Because as you work and you get different experiences, you learn about things that you have interest in, things you like and things you might not like as much. And then that informs how you want to shift your target from a career perspective. Yeah. Oh, I definitely like that. <laughs> I, wanted, um, I was, I used to say I was one of the kids that didn't necessarily know what I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask you that question. I mean, I, I studied, I went to school to get a biochemistry degree, mm -hmm. <laughs> which, you know, I didn't even know what biochemists would do. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was fortunate in that uh, my dad was a professor. So he would look at my grades, ask me what I want to become. I'll be like, I don't know. And so we'll sit down and look at my courses and, and things. So it was a guided decision, even though when I ended up saying, you know, it, it was a guided decision that stemmed from, I know you, the subjects you like, if you're not sure where you want to go, you like biology, maybe you go to medical school, this is a great path to go to medical school. So I had some of that. Um, I also know that there are some kids at my age that knew exactly what they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And that's okay, you know. Um, mm -hmm. So if you could go back now to childhood you, was there something you had in mind? Like, how did you pick engineering? Yeah, so for me, it started with really getting exposure to computers and video games. And again, I'm dating myself, but computers and video games when I was growing up were not as cool as they are now by a long shot, but they were still cool to me when I was young, right? So I decided, I, I think at, when I was in high school, you know, I, I like this computing arena. Video games were cool. I think I want to design those. So that's kind of how it started for me. So originally, I think I wanted to design, design computers. That's how I chose engineering. And at the time that I went to college, computer science was kind of a burgeoning field. So not as big and popular as it is now. The department that I was a part of in college 
house both electrical engineering and computer science. Okay. So I was able to take some computer science classes as well as learn the engineering because I felt like if I want to design computers, I need to know hardware and software. So it was good. I got a really broad base there. So that's where things started for me. So you did get your degree in electrical engineering? I did. And and that's, that's interesting that you shared that too, because I feel like a lot of times when people are interested in computers, they end up being computer science. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, also interesting to see how you arrived at the choice of electrical and sort of the, the freedom to take some computer science classes. Um, and, and I think people don't also understand that engineering itself is very broad. It is extremely. <laughs> so if you could think about, you know, sort of who you are, all mm-hmm. of the things you used to describe yourselves and, mm-hmm. and your career path and choices so far, how do you think some of those differences those personality identities how do you think they've helped shape your path or guide you along the way if any mm, mm-hmm. that, that's a good question you know ultimately i think there there's there's probably some level of fit and matching between who i am as a person and how my career has progressed one of the things i mentioned earlier was right pick a starting target, and then that'll change over time as you learn more things. So one of the things that happened for me was, while I enjoyed some of the technical things in engineering, once I got exposure in working to the customer-facing side of businesses and business, I decided, okay, I want to get a master's in business. Because at one point, I was thinking about getting a master's in electrical engineering and continuing along that path. And so when I think about who I am as a person, right, and I talked about a lot of who I am based on my relationship to other people, right? So a son, a father, a brother, an executive, right, in corporate America, which means I work with a lot of people. That, um, I think, played out in terms of things that I like to engage in at work, right? So I always make jokes about engineers. I feel like I can because I'm an engineer by background, but... Um, there are quite a few of us who don't enjoy being around people as much, right. Um, right? We enjoy the more technical work versus having to deal with the psychology of dealing with people, right? Whether they be other employees, customers, et cetera. What I learned actually in the first people leadership job I had was, and I remember I had this conversation with my mother, actually. It was before I went to graduate school. I was fortunate enough to be in a rotational program working for GE. And so they have these rotational programs where it's focused around a discipline. Mine was focused around engineering and you do these six to nine month rotational assignments in different departments. So I did two rotations in engineering departments, more technical roles. Then I had the opportunity to do a cross-functional rotation. So in a a department that wasn't engineering. So I did a rotation in in marketing and then actually through marketing, I learned, oh, I like working with people and customers, et cetera. I finished the program, worked in marketing for a while. Then through the network I had, I got introduced to an executive in the manufacturing part of the business. He ended up hiring me to be a manufacturing leader. So it was my first people leader role. So I'll say all that to say, I went to school to be trained as an engineer. I got a role leading people. I had a conversation with with my mom. I remember this conversation distinctly and said, mom, I just, I, I don't like this. People leadership, the people are crazy. This is the whole other side of the brain and what I was trained to do as an engineer. I, this is just nuts. I don't want to do this. Lo and behold, after that, I acquired a love for people leadership and I've been a people leader for most of my career. 
I love it. And I'm glad I asked that question too, because I think um, this is the part that we often miss on how you did describe yourself relationally when I asked you to describe some of the, you, you talked about being a son, being a father. And I, I think sometimes we get so laser focused on the degree I'm getting, the, mm-hmm. the job title I'm having, and mm-hmm. a lot of what leads to being stuck at a certain point of your career is realizing this is, I, I hate what I'm doing. Like, I feel lucky to have this job, but I absolutely hate what I'm doing. And I feel ungrateful to even be thinking about that because mm-hmm. I have a great job. And so a lot of, you know, early mid-career, we get to this point where we get so absorbed in the title and the job. And, and that's okay at some point, you know, mm-hmm. because you're acquiring uh, skills, you are broadening your lens to see what's out there. Um, but I feel like you already kind of went into those three examples of things, three different things that you said happen that could also be turned around to share with people. What are some of the ways to explore where to go next? What are some of the things you could be doing now? Mm-hmm. If you are early on in your career, you're in a you know engineering role or scientist, I kind of see scientists and engineers as that similar technical skill set, right? Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. in that space right now, you're early in your career, you're mid-career. What are some of the things that, based on what worked for you, that you think they should focus on now that mm-hmm. will help them when the time comes to make a change, whatever that change looks like, right? Yes, uh, it's a great question. And actually, I wanted to um, say something based on what you just said, right? In terms of when you're young in your career and if you have a conversation with yourself that says, I, don't, I hate what I'm doing, I don't like it part of something that we carry sometimes is trying to do what we think people want us to do or think we should do. So it's very important not to define ourselves based on people want me to have this title or people want me to do this, or I think this is what people want me to do because ultimately it's about your own happiness because people will end up investing so much time out of their lives working. It's important that you like what you're doing, right? And so sometimes we have to shed, well, I thought I should be doing this or somebody else is defining what I should do to really be true to ourselves and say, well, I don't really like this. So I need to go focus on something I like. So I, I just, I didn't want to lose that point. That's very important. Yeah. So, so with the question you asked, you know, I think it starts with exposure because as I mentioned, a career is a journey. It's often nonlinear. And so a big part of the career journey is just learning and taking in information. So things that people can do when they're early in their career to learn about things. It starts with being inquisitive and building relationships. And here's what I mean by that. Being inquisitive means um, in terms of meeting people, if you work in a company, meeting people outside of where you work day to day and just starting to understand what those people do and how the business functions, right? I was fortunate because in this job I have with GE on this program, I was able to rotate. So it, it, it was built in, right? It was built in for me to do that. However, the job that I found in manufacturing that I talked about, that was based on talking to folks that I met at work who had worked in different departments, asking them about the roles they had. And then they started to introduce me to other people and getting exposure. And, you know, I consider the getting exposure part really information gathering. So it's very good to be in information gathering mode because you don't know what you don't know, right? So there's information out there that you are not aware of. And talking to people is a good way to start to uncover those things because you might be in a career and say, hey, 
I hate it. I kind of like it. It's not what I thought it was going to be. You might not have any idea that there's this other career waiting out there for you, right? And you don't know what's out there. So therefore, right, you kind of stay where you are. But exposure by talking to other people, asking them questions, being inquisitive about, hey, what's your role in the company? Right. right. What's your day to day? Do you actually enjoy what you're doing? What do you like about it? What don't you like about it? Right. Starts to build your information base. So then that people can make informed decisions on, okay, I started my career target here. As I mentioned earlier, it's going to shift. Maybe I want to shift it over here. So. Right. right. And I, and I think, um, as an immigrant whose dad was in academia, one mm-hmm. of the things that, um, for me was wanting to, you know, culturally growing up as an immigrant is if you're good in the sciences, mm-hmm. you're going to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. Or engineer. I mean, mm-hmm. those are the only roles I knew. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so it's like you don't know what you don't know. I wasn't exactly. exposed to all of these things. And what you described is exactly some of the things that helped me. I remember earlier on just the word strategy was just always stuck in my head. It's like, I feel like I'm very strategic. You know, mm-hmm. I want to work in the strategy department. And I remembered one of my mentors said, do you know what a strategy department does? And I was like... <laughs> I, I, well, they're very strategic and right. <laughs> go find somebody and talk to them. And I, and I learned about business strategy and the external market. And I was like, no, that's not what I want to do. Well, exactly. And that's very important information. It's very important also to learn what you don't want to do because that helps inform your target. So, right. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that was when I shifted to really break down my focus on people. Mm-hmm. Because that that experience kind of helped me understand, like some of these terminologies, I don't even understand in the context of the organization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <So>. Right. <laughs> well, and also, you know, just to add to that, it's really like doing any other research process, right? So there's primary and secondary research. Yeah. So one of the things I mentioned was talking to people, but there's another part that people can do, which is go to the internet and look at job descriptions. So it's not that you're going to apply for a job, but just go read them to get an idea also about how jobs are described. Now, the important part is reading the things in the job description. It's important to supplement that with actually talking to people who are doing those roles, because there's always going to be something that's not written in the description. That's the real life story on this is what the role is really like. Right. So. Right. Absolutely. No, you're sharing really key points in terms of thinking about career, because I think that's really the, the starting point. It's not about I want a new job or I'm getting, it's about what exactly is it you're interested in. Exactly. And I think that's the opportunity that professionals um, who are already in the industry can take advantage of. You're already Mm -hmm. working, you are doing some job. What can you do where you are without Mm -hmm. actually looking for a job? So you are better prepared for the job that you actually want. That's right. That's right. Um, So uh, is there... I think you you are you are already sharing it. You're already talking about it. Um, if you could talk to somebody who are like you, um, in terms of, I don't, I'm not aging you. I don't know how old you are, but <laughs> if you're somebody who was you 20 years ago, 15 yeah. years ago, who is right now where you are, um, what should they be doing? Um, well, you already talked about what they should be doing. Maybe what. There's some things that you missed out on doing uh, that they could learn from. I think you shared your personal experience, which mm-hmm. 
obviously you did a lot of right things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are where you are <laughs> Thank now. <you. laughs> but maybe the other side of it, right? The flip side of it, what are some of the things that maybe they shouldn't bother with right now as much? Or mm. some of the things that you maybe wish you had done better then mm-hmm. um, that you can provide feedback now from the point where you are thriving mm-hmm. in, in corporate America, in the, in the STEM, highly competitive STEM industry, mm-hmm. right? With multiple intersections, here you are, you know, for somebody else who is looking up to you and, and saying, I can be there because mm-hmm. he's there. What should they do right now or not do? That's a great question. Um, I'll refer back to some of the things we talked about because there's so much rich information that's accessible now that wasn't accessible when I was in the earlier part of my career, um, right, that people can take full advantage of it. So this is both in terms of careers, what's happening in companies, what I mentioned in terms of go online and do research, research companies. Most companies write, here's what I'm doing, what our, what our mission is, check their job site for what types of jobs out there. All that stuff is available. That wasn't really available when I was growing up, right? Because the internet wasn't as wide, you know, wasn't widely used. Um, and actually wasn't even there when I was in high school, right? So um, just there, there's a rich set of information there. Also, something I learned later in my career, people always talk about networking, right? And the value of having a network where you know people, right? And they say it, it, it's who you know. Right. So something that I learned later in my career is, it even it goes past who you know it's who knows you and here here's what that means so when you build relationships with people and they start to really know who you are as a person you know what you what you value um what type of great work you've done and contributions then what happens from a networking perspective is when a great opportunity comes across their desk that you don't see they will think of you and that's how you end up connecting with opportunities so it's not necessarily, it doesn't stop at who you know, it's the who knows you part. And the way that you start to build these relationships is, and I learned this later in my career too, you know, networking can be uncomfortable for people because people tend to feel like, well, networking means I need to go meet somebody who I don't know and ask them to do something for me. And that just feels unnatural for us. Right. Networking is really about building relationships and actually the paradigm should be flipped. It's about meeting people where you can build quality relationships and offer to help them. It's called paying it forward, right? So if you're the type of person, and and a lot of people actually are like this, people get joy from being able to help people and do something good for people. So when you first meet people from a networking perspective and ask them, hey, what can I do for you? How can I help? And think about that. When you do that, you start to make deposits that will pay themselves back later. Because people will think of you, oh, this, you know, this person did this for me. This is great. And that's when things will start to come back to you from a career perspective. I wish I learned that early on. It took me until I was an executive to learn that. And ironically, as I think about my career journey, the roles that I've had over at least the last 10 years, if not more, came from my network. It didn't come from me seeing a job posting and applying. It came from someone I knew, you know, or, or someone actually who knew me connected me with an opportunity. Now, sometimes it might've been, hey, I saw an opportunity at this company. I know that I knew somebody who worked at that company. I contacted them and then they endorsed me for the opportunity. Right. But the value of networking becomes more and more um, large as you progress in your career because there are, there are, the closer you get to the top executive roles, by number, there are fewer of those roles. Right. Right. 
And also people like to hire people who they know and people they trust. So the more you progress in your career, the more that you'll find more senior opportunities through who knows you through networking. I love that. It's, yeah, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. And, and a, a key point of what you just described is also building the relationships in a way that people know you. Exactly. Title. You can have a title that means nothing to the That's person right. you're talking to. So right. if I walk away with the understanding of, oh, you are the director of these, okay, that doesn't help me. <laughs> right. You no, know? but if I walk away with an understanding of who you are and what you are passionate about, that's if right. I see a position and an organization with an amazing culture, I know that this person will be amazing. I know somebody that you would like to talk to about this position. Right. And, and that, that's how the magic happened. And so this, yes. is, this is a good thing to, to, to be thinking about earlier in your career or middle of your career too, because sometimes these relationships is not immediate. Right. Exactly. Well, and also to add to that, right. And the relationships are not immediate. The relationships are everywhere. So what that means is, so if I go to church, if I volunteer for things, if I play sports, family, friends, right. Friends of my parents, right? Friends of my relatives. These are all networking opportunities. Again, it's about people getting to know you and what you are interested in and building those relationships. So it's a 360 degree thing. Networking is not restricted to, I work at this company. So therefore I only work with people that work at this company or work at a similar company. It's everywhere in life. Yeah. That's, that's a good way to view it. I even like, I, I call myself that I've, I've gotten pretty good at networking now. Um, but I had a situation recently where somebody, um, at my child's school, which I didn't even know this person worked in the biotech space, which mm -hmm. is a target space for me. Mm -hmm. And I just know this person as my daughter's classmate's dad. Mm -hmm. And they made a comment. I mean, my, my kids, our kids are in the same class for a few years. Mm -hmm. And we, we just partnered with the organization, uh, for a nonprofit engagement. Wonderful. Alignment. But for the longest time, you know, mm -hmm. like we don't even talk work. Right. Talk kids on work, right? <laughs> right. Well, and, and and the great thing about that is, right, it kind of takes the air out of the room in terms of, oh, it's an awkward networking conversation, right? I had to change my paradigm to the conversation isn't about networking. It's about getting to know you and you getting exactly. to know me, right? Exactly. And when that happens, then the, the good things about networking naturally will find an opportunity to work themselves into the relationship. Exactly. So. Yeah. And I think, you know, just taking the pressure off too, um, a lot of times is people think is when I need a job. That's that right. Approach people. Right. Oh, that's what I have to talk about that. That's another key point. Another great learning. Right. So to your question about, you know, what would I tell someone right 20, 30 years ago in my career? The important thing about networking and investing in those relationships is you need to do it all the time, because to your point, the typical tendency is, okay, I all of a sudden need to find a job. Now I'm going to start doing it. And then that adds all kind of stress and pressure to you to be able to do it. And you feel like you're on a timeline, right? So the key is when you are happy in your current job, that's when you need to be doing it. Yeah. Because what happens is then, right, you have the relationship built. Guess what? Someone will take your call because they know you and they like you. Guess what? I'm thinking about doing ABC. The relationship's already there. Things accelerate and move a lot faster. So the trap that we often fall into is 
I focus on networking when I need a job. But then when I have a job, I put my head down and work, especially for those of us, right, who are minorities. It's like, okay, we got to outperform everybody else. Right. We have something to prove. So I have nothing to focus on but my work. The mistake we make is we don't invest in the networking when we go heads down and we need to because it's about playing the longer game, not just the short term. All jobs will have an end date. Yeah. Oh, I think this is this is this is a great place to really emphasize before we close this out because I think that's really the key for minorities, especially we get sucked into our work. The work mentality. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm one of a a few here. You know, I'm the only woman, black man, parent, Mm -hmm. whatever um, intersections you're talking about, and so we want to walk to prove ourselves. That's right. Right. That's right. Uh, yeah, I, I love the way you put it. Is you, the best time to be looking for a job is when you are happy and engaged. With exactly. Keep exactly. Working, keep meeting people, and uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, certainly. And you know, just to add, because I don't, I don't want people to feel like, hey, okay, I'm happy in my job. I don't feel like I need to look for another job. It's not about that. It's about I'm happy in my job. Let me go continue to network and build relationships, even if I don't think I'm looking for a job. Right. Because again, sometimes what will happen is I'm going to learn something I didn't know that I that I didn't know about. But also you want to have those relationships in place so you can leverage them when the time comes when you need them. Right, so. right. Exactly. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing. And um, anything else to add before I go to my final question? I have a final fun question for you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So one more thing to add. I'm not sure if I mentioned in my intersectionality that I'm a brother as well. You did? So, yes. Yes. So I grew up um, the youngest of, of three. And so I wanted to specifically mention that because being a brother in family is also extremely important to me. And so that also, I think, played itself out as a theme in terms of my career journey and finding a type of role where I'd be happy. I talked about this interaction with people, right? What that means is when you're an engineer versus other things. So in terms of my leadership now as an executive, because I really value family, I like to reflect, you know, some of those tenets of having a strong family in the way that I lead at work. So. Absolutely. Thank you. No, you did mention that. You mentioned being uh, a brother. And I, I said that's why. Because I mentioned son too. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And dad. Yes. Very important <laughs> to you. And, and, and it shows it shows up obviously in how you talk about your roles and your jobs. Um, so thank you for sharing that. So my last fun question. I like to end with food. Yes. Uh, just because someday I want to be able to clip together all the recipes and all over the world places that I've explored on this podcast. Yes. So you could share a meal, a snack, a fruit with your coworkers. What would it be? And why did you pick that? Yeah. Um, it will be sweet potato pie Ooh. for me. So the story behind that. So um, my mom um, grew up in uh, the South in the U.S., in North Carolina. And so I really grew up on a farm, you know, she grew up cooking and with fresh vegetables and everything else. And so, you know, for Thanksgiving in the U.S. every year, she would make sweet potato pie, um, which was one of my favorite things that I remember. As I've gotten exposed um, to the broader U.S. and different people, pumpkin pie is really popular in the U.S. And I've met some people who never had sweet potato pie. So I would want to introduce them to sweet potato pie. Are you making? Um, what, do, do I make it? You know, I, I've never made it, actually. I've never made So here's the thing. Yeah, I actually cook, but I haven't done that much dessert. My mom was, she could cook the meal and do dessert. And do dessert. So, <laughs> yeah, I've never made it. 
But if I had the opportunity to share it with people, yeah, I would be up for learning to make it because I do. I actually I make sweet potato dishes. I've just never made it in a pie before. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to check if you know if I could come to your place for Thanksgiving. But <laughs> okay, all right. Well, you should know I actually make the entire meal for my family. Oh wow! So the so the main course meal, the turkey. Uh, mashed potatoes, sweet potatoes, macaroni and cheese, the green vegetable. I actually make all of those and the stuffing. I do all those myself. I enjoy doing it. So. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I love hearing when people talk about food, but with some meaning. Yes. Because that also <laughs> makes a difference. So thank you for sharing that. My well, pleasure. I have had so much um, insight from chatting with you today. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for leading. And thank you for also sharing and, and, and pulling others uh, along on, on this journey. Um, I think it's great to find a relational engineer. All <laughs> <Not> right. <laughs> it's not just technical, um, but it's been nice uh, chatting with you. Looking forward to staying connected and in touch with you. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Lola. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for joining me, Lola Adeyemo, for these important conversations about the global world of work. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to share our weekly episodes with your communities and co-workers. For more resources and upcoming events, visit our website, www.thrivinginintersectionality.com and join our LinkedIn group, Thriving in Intersectionality. Additional links and resources are listed in the show notes of this episode. Thank you.